Blog Talk Radio. Good evening and welcome to Blog Talk Radio, Working for a Living Radio Show, where we offer opinions that matter. I have a few announcements this evening. Uh, we certainly want to recognize the tragedy in Florida that's happened there with a multiple shooting and our hearts and prayers and thoughts go out to those folks from Team Working for a Living. Uh, we also, Team uh, Working for a Living, mourns the death, the death and loss of our brother, Mark Stepp. Uh, we also grieve the loss of Helen Chavez, uh, the widow of the late, great uh, Cesar Chavez. Uh, our th- fourth announcement is, uh, please remember to decline to sign any petition that you're presented with regarding prevailing wage in Michigan. Uh, They're trying to keep the wages up here in Michigan. There's a big effort to try and stop that and suppress them um, by certain groups, and we would like to support our brothers and sisters in the building trades, whether they're union or Uh, non-union. With regard to UAW Local 9, Workers at Honeywell, they remain locked out of their plant by management in South Bend, Indiana. We don't have any more news about that at this time, uh, although we're going to cover some of the issues uh, regarding that. Uh, Jeff has some things for us. Uh, We want to congratulate the Chicago Sheet Metal Workers, Local Union 73, on ratifying a new agreement. It passed overwhelmingly. by a vote of 1,060 to 101. Um, And our seventh uh, announcement is we want to congratulate our co-host, Roberta Gaynor, as she cannot be with us this evening, or one of our (laughs) co-hosts, as she's uh, attending New York State NAACP meeting uh, where her goddaughter is a keynote speaker. You can tell that Roberta has a very positive influence on the young people around her. Uh, so uh, we have a couple of emails. Um, first one uh, regards uh, to Orlando today. It is just terrible that we had a shooting here in Orlando today. Uh, what are your thoughts on that? It's from Herb. We get a couple of emails from Herb from time to time down in Florida. Well, Herb, it's too early to tell really you know, I believe that our team here is of the like mind that we just, our hearts and thoughts and prayers go out to everybody involved. Uh, and uh, we wait to see just exactly how that community can recover from this horrible tragedy. Um, uh, and the uh, second email is I saw your post today, and I'm really looking forward to hearing from Lindsay tonight. Uh, that's Kim from Dundas, Ontario. In Canada, she's writing to us from Canada today. We got a broad effect here. Um, right now, let me get uh, who's on here. Uh, Jeff, I believe, is on. Jeff, you there? Yeah, I'm here. Can you hear me? Uh, yeah. Can you give out? Uh, can you give out the uh, phone number to the uh, show? It's like some people are having oh, problems. Okay. Through. Yeah, I'll get that to her. Yeah, no problem. Uh, because our guest. Just trying to get on and uh, okay. it's not working. Okay. Are is your volume turned up on your on your phone? Because maybe it's me. There. How's that? Go ahead and say some more, Jeff. See if I 
a lot of money for sitting up there in a big chair downtown Detroit. And you don't really do nothing for us. So, do the right thing. Be the leader that the membership wants you to be. Be adversarial with the companies. Stop getting in bed with the companies to protect them. They don't work for you. Don't work for them. You work for the membership. All of us. We pay you to represent us. We pay you to protect our benefits, our wages, and everything else that's in our contracts. And you have failed so far in your first year as president. Mr. King failed during his entire term as president. Mr. Gettelfinger failed the membership during his two, two terms as president. It's time to stand up and fight back. We are tired of seeing all this bullshit happening in our union. You want us to go out there and pound a payment for all types of different causes, whether it be uh, supporting union drives, political drives. I say, screw you. Until you do something for us, I am not going to support anything that the international does. I have said before, you need to resign. So here's your last chance. If you don't do right by this, I'm going to up the pressure on you. That is my opinion. Um, Do the right thing for once. Protect those pensions. Improve their active workers' uh, contract. Give them the raises they need. No more concessions. Concessions have to stop now. So, just got an eyeball on me. We are watching this very closely. There's a lot of people upset with you that you did not know six months after our ratifications in the big three that we were losing product to Mexico. You failed. You failed miserably. And that's a shame. Because I am one of the many third generation UAW workers, members. And my grandfather must, my grandfathers, both of them, must be rolling over in their grave at what you guys are doing down there. That's right, Jeff. And you know, the problem is, I mean, they're negotiating contracts where the president of the UAW doesn't even know what was in it. And exactly. I'm guessing, uh, you know, I mean, I, I know that one of our team was in communication with the benefit rep from Solidarity House out of the Ford Department. And that person, that's, he's a man. So, you know, he, he did not know that the Pension uh, Protection Act language is in our agreement now. You know, where they, if it falls below 80% funding, that they get a 50% cut in their pension. So, 
Yeah, that's it's just horrible. They're you know they don't even know what they're doing. Mm-hmm. They, the left hand doesn't know what the right hand's doing in Solidarity House these days. Okay, that's sad. I agree, especially on a yeah. national agreement like that. Um, mm-hmm. Well, uh, that's about all I have to add to that, Jeff. Uh, we're about seven minutes or twelve minutes into the hour that we typically have, and uh, if you don't mind, is that all you have on that issue right now? Yeah, just let everybody know okay. then that we are supporting them. That's it. Right. Oh, yeah, down there in South Bend, we support you, brothers and sisters, and we're going to do all we can. Once we get a little more word from you, we'll uh, put you on our radar uh, uh, in, a, in a way to uh, get you some uh, funding from any of the listeners to try and uh, put a, a word out so that we can send uh, donations your way. Uh, just get a hold of us, Working for a Living, uh, uh, at workingforaliving.com is our email address. So. Uh, having said that, um, our feature today is uh, uh, a dynamic speaker, dynamic leader who's been fighting for men and women for decades. And this uh, august woman has actually run for the highest office in the nationwide uh, amalgamated union of Unifor. Please uh, uh, join me as I welcome to our show the dynamic Lindsay. I want to get her last name right here. Henskelwood. Henskelwood. Well, you you pronounce it the same (laughs) way as everybody else does. (laughs) Thank you for the introduction. Yes. Welcome to it's the show, a, and we're pleased to have you. Believe us. Yeah. Thanks. It's Lindsay Hinshelwood, and if I could just uh, talk, give you a bit of an intro about myself for your listeners, is I'm an 18-year member of CAW Local 707. So I've been on the line 18 years in the auto industry, and uh, I feel I've been speaking out. Uh, I think 2002 was when things really started to turn downwards for us. Um, I've been an outspoken, probably the most known outspoken critic of the leadership at both the local and the national level, and I've led the fight against concessions. So we've had six uh, rounds of concessionary contracts between 2002 and 2012. So uh, all the promises that were ever made uh, never materialized, and now we're heading into um, contract time, September of 2016, and the issue the leadership is telling us is investment, which is essentially begging for concessions again. So we've lost a lot of jobs, uh, first-tier jobs, and we've replaced those... um, jobs with uh, second-tier workers and temporary part-time workers, and GM has uh, permanent supplemental workers that are called SWEs. So we haven't made any gains. Plants have closed, and the situation with GM is the plants here are literally fighting each other for product. So as we head into 2017, we have three major issues which is investments, um, 
demanding product, which means we're demanding concessions, the second tier, particularly their pensions, and a forgotten about issue, which people rarely talk about at bargaining time, but they talk every day on the shop floor, is workloads. Hello? Uh, yes, yes. Uh, you know, <laughs> workloads has become an issue here. You know, the the whole uh, principle of a fair day's work for a fair day's pay has gone by the wayside here, Lindsay, and we have a situation where they literally have uh, computer tracking of the um, uh, the uh, articulating arm uh, drill bits and drill uh, 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 wrenches and such like that uh, so that they know exactly how many seconds they run during a product cycle uh, and if they can try and squeeze out a tenth here or a tenth there, they try to do that. And it's just become, you know, uh, in almost inhuman uh, because they're tracking the, the workers uh, with with computers and getting it down to where, it, you know, there's no, no balance time for any anything even to wipe your brow. It's really sad. Yes. So. We have that here, too. Everything is tracked. And... Everything, all the information goes down to Detroit. So Detroit is aware of our every move, even though we work in Ontario, Canada. So it's right. It's the tools that we use. It's the forklift operators. And it's the high-definition cameras that are now um, can monitor us outside of the plant. Uh, There are some cameras for certain jobs in the workplace, too, in some of the plants. Um, but it's just also, too, we um, work a 48-hour mandatory work week in some of the plans, and we agreed to one mandatory Saturday per month, which is a 56-hour, six-day work week. So for people making half the wages, that's um, a tremendous amount of uh, – it's lengthy – here in Ontario, people commute long ways to their jobs too. So the commute to work is part of the workload too, and it's one of the unwritten concessions. So it's wow. a, a 12 to 14-hour workday for many of our workers, and many of our second-tier workers also work part-time jobs on top of their auto work job to make ends meet. Right. That seems to be the case uh, here as well. Where it, and it's in my mind's eye unconscionable that we have uh, Detroit Three. I'm, you know, you're working for General Motors there, so I, I'm a uh, General Motors retiree, so I use the I have all those numbers, et cetera, here locally or within our country, and it's just unconscionable they're making this amount of money profit, and they can't pay the, the, the younger workers. Uh, to the point where these folks have to go out and get another second job in order to exist and subsist. You know, uh, here in in the United States, Lindsay, in California and New York, about a month ago, they increased the minimum wage to $15. And General Motors' uh, uh, entry level now is $14.50 here in the United States, $14.50. So they suppressed the wages to within... 40 cents of minimum wage, and I just find that unconscionable. I, I, I imagine you agree with that as well. Yes, and just to correct you, I don't work for GM. Oh. Um, 
<laughs> All right. But I just find GM is the best example is, you oh. know, back in 1978, GM had nearly half a million workers and they've lost 90% of their workforce. So all these concessions we've been making for decades hasn't guaranteed anything. Quite the opposite. It's guaranteed that we just lose our jobs. But here in uh, Ontario, so the new hires make $20 an hour, but $1 per hour goes to their, they have contribution-style pensions. Now, in Ontario, Windsor, the housing market uh, has collapsed, but a lot of the plants in the GTA area, the GTA is very expensive. So a starter home in a place like Hamilton, Ontario, is 400000 dollars for a townhouse or an old wartime house so how how does somebody making 19 dollars an hour afford that kind of mortgage and how do they raise a family on top of that so um very very troubling uh lindsay i have friends who live in in hamilton and uh our our emailer today was uh emailed in from dundas that's uh just had to look that one up that's just outside of hamilton uh, so yes. I'm, I'm mm-hmm. well aware of the the uh, costs when I go over there and visit from time to time. You know, the, these uh, townhouses, uh, you know, row houses that they they live in, and they're renting. <laughs> I don't know how they pay the rent, but it's uh, it's just amazing the prices of a uh, a townhouse there. That's four hundred thousand dollars, as you just indicated, and the same thing here might be you know one hundred and five, one hundred and ten. You know, so mm-hmm. it's the. I don't know how uh, people get along uh, in, no. in Canada. No, and this is you know, the lower kind of end of the market. Yeah, this is the lower yeah. end of the market for Oakville and the Oakville Assembly Complex. You know, it's million yeah. dollar houses for the same kind of house. So right. <laughs> people have to commute. So there's the cost of commuting, and there's the time and energy it takes to commute too. So it's not unusual right. for workers to be driving in an hour, an hour and a half, and even many workers drive two hours back and forth to work. But what's um, a a really big issue, I feel, for the second tier is they pay into their own pensions. And the first 10 years, the company does not contribute to their pensions. After 10 years, the company only contributes $2,000 a year for the next 20 years because their pensions are capped at 30 years. So after 30 years of working 48 to 56 hours a week, the company's only paying in $40,000 to their pension. So it's really frightful what kind. So they're going to be struggling all their working lives to pay their bills, but I can't fathom what their pension is going to be because it will be market value and whatever that will be when these people will retire in, in 30 years. Right, right. And, you know, you have to have vision for the people that we represent that are, you know, new new uh, in the ladder of seniority, you know, because it's just wrong for them not to have a full what's called a, a defined pension uh, for themselves and healthcare. Of course, you have a different healthcare system than we have here. Uh, we do, but it's eroding and it's uh, being increasingly privatized. So I predict in 
10 years time our our healthcare can be fully privatized in Canada uh-huh. and um the second tier pensions they don't receive any benefits when they retire they don't right. have that right. either so right. that, that's we, yeah, um, you know, two decades ago, I'd say Canada had a better social structure than the U.S., and I think in a decade from now, we're probably going to have the same kind of social structure as the U.S. So, you know, and people really, a lot of people don't realize that and what the cost is. Now, the taxpayer still pays for the privatized health care, but it costs four times the amount. And uh, obviously, whatever revenue-generating departments we have in our healthcare system, they won't be going back into our system. They'll be going into the bank account of the CEO of the private company. So mm-hmm. we're really in a crisis here in Canada. And uh, um, Jerry Diaz, um, who is yes, I go was going to ask you a question, but go ahead. no, I was just yeah. going to ask you: is there is there Anything that uh, we here in the United States can do to assist you during your time of negotiations and and during your ratification process, should you not agree with what comes back from the table, the the rank and file feel that they've been violated as we were here last November, October, November, and early December here in the United States with Chrysler, General Motors, and Ford contracts. Is there anything that we can do to help you, Lindsay? There is. I think the biggest concern for a lot of people here is are we competing with the U.S. for work or are we brothers and sisters working for the same company? And I think the message has to be sent to the Canadian auto workers that we're not – that the U.S isn't stealing our work away from us or has any intentions of stealing our work from us. We all work for the same companies and we're all sinking in this ship together. So I think that solidarity that we're all together, I think the U.S. um, anti-concession movement, in fact, the movement is almost non-existent here, um, has done a really good job educating their members about the facts And we don't get the facts. We recently had a leaflet hit the shop floor by the National Union called Just the Facts. But there's no facts in this leaflet. It just says for us to do whatever they, you know, they're going to tell us how to vote. And they don't want us discussing any issues. So I think um, that Canadian auto workers need to know that, we're not competing that we're all brothers and sisters working for the same company and maybe even educating really what goes on in the U.S. and how these companies work. Yes, they're increasing production in Mexico, but have any plants closed because of that shift in production or did the U.S. plants get product? Because there's um, a belief that U.S. plants are closing because products being shifted to Mexico. Now, of course, we've lost a lot of jobs, but uh, I, well, I, I think particularly with Ford, I don't think Ford has lost any production because of 
product movement to Mexico and what's really going on in Mexico we need to know. And I think the U.S. auto worker is more aware of what goes on in Mexico than the Canadian uh, auto worker is. Um, you know, just exactly where does all that production in Mexico go to? Does it go back to the U.S. or is it shipped out throughout the world? Um, so we need to know that we're not competing, that we're brothers and sisters, and right. Right. we need uh, to know, Lindsay, I think exactly... Oh, go ahead. Yeah. Go ahead. We need to know, uh, Jerry Diaz, our national president, has, after your 20, 2015 ratification, um, he's more or less said, well, Canadian auto workers have to be lower than U.S. auto workers to get product. So we're not going to be making gains and being we're not going to be better off than U.S. workers. And we just need to know how bad things are in the U.S. amongst the tiers because we have lots of tiers. Right, right. We had two tiers going into our agreement, and now there's arguably five uh, with what they've done uh, a new hire is not they, we have tier one in progression uh, a new hire and then uh, there's uh, two levels of temporary uh, one that's a little higher paid than the, the incoming uh, and it's just a mess here Lindsay uh, do you have I have a question uh, when you're talking about this whipsawing and competition between one another, between the plants in Canada and, and here in the United States, and then between the two countries, and now uh, obviously also with Mexico. But let's just stick with our two at the moment. Do you have a what, – what's we have Appendix K in the General Motors language here, and that's where uh, the uh, T4 in the plant, and that's the pres- – the uh, plant manager and the human resource director and the president and the chairperson uh, are considered to be the key four. Uh, And the chairman under Appendix K is obligated to uh, rank his uh, or her plant uh, in the uh, 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 efficiency level. And they get points uh, and then those points are then sent in to a uh, collective unit at General Motors, the, the parties, if you've heard that, uh, no doubt, mm-hmm. uh, between General Motors and, and the uh, UAW. And they rank the plants, and the best plant then is uh, open to get new work first. Uh, now, do you have sort of a thing where Appendix K, where the union's actually obligated to try and drive, uh, the, you know, the costs and things down, efficiencies up? Uh, do you have that sort of thing in your language, do you know? Um, it's not in the Ford language. There's only one final assembly plant in Canada for okay. Ford. But in GM, okay. the situation in GM is, to the best of my knowledge, is so GM has the different levels of tiers, and GM is in that situation in Canada. The, the, the final assembly plants are literally competing with each other for product. 
and I believe it's in-plant language for them. And what um, so they so the leadership says it's low wages that makes us competitive. So GM has a permanent supplemental workforce that's called SWEES, S-W-E. I'm not sure what that quite stands for. These SWEES okay. uh, permanently make half the wages, and although they pay union dues, they're not covered by the collective agreement. Right. I don't know how we they get a, away with that. Yeah, they have limited, yeah. here in the United States, they have limited representation, basically only for discharge, you know, so it's very, very limited. It, uh, and yeah, so, so you know, we we had flex workers going into our agreement, and those were folded into that low second tier of temporaries. So the lowest part of the temporary workforce, they were folded in. And mm-hmm. that, uh, so go ahead. So they have high numbers of Swedes, and they had high numbers. Now there was a GM plant, a Cami plant, in Ingersoll. And uh, they built Suzuki's. But GM took that over, and in their last contract, they were promised that these SWEs and these, or these TPTs too, whatever the part-time workers were, that they would be made second-tier workers, and second-tier workers have a 10-year grow-in. Now, I don't right. know offhand how many of those workers were actually made officially second-tier workers, but what that meant, too, is it could take anywhere between 10 and 16 years for these workers to grow into top wage. So that's half your working life. So I, I believe probably those in the industry, it's those GM temporary workers that are probably going to be the most radical in the upcoming contract talks. So they're yes, literally they were, competing. They, yeah. Right. They were very outspoken here. They got quite a signing bonus that seemed to satisfy that, uh, but they were still very outspoken. They had the, the grow-in, as you uh, aptly put it, of a six-year grow-in. Uh, for the existing Tier 2 workers. Uh, and then they started a new Tier 2 and a new hire. I guess that's where that's, that third, fourth tier comes in, and then the temporaries below that that, that uh, got the flex workers that got folded in. It's just, and in, in, the general, in the United States, so you understand, Lindsay, the temporaries do not have an automatic pathway to new hire status as a tier, tier two worker. Uh, it is only by uh, the uh, meeting of the parties that they would say we're going to bring on uh, X number of new temporaries into new hire and add the social sec- our, our social security number to the head count. Um, I'm sure you understand that. that what that yeah, means, and that's so. true here too, yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's, that's true that's, here too. It, yeah. So, so we're of like minds at signs, sounds like, in educating the membership that we we shouldn't be driving efficiencies. That's for management. Do we have management's rights clause that gives management the right to do run the business here? And and uh, also the idea that these temporaries ought to be made whole sooner 
and be given more benefits sooner rather than later, especially in the face of nearly doubled profits at General Motors since the last last year, 2014. They doubled, over doubled. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, so you're well aware of that. So those are those are two things that we have in common. It sounds like that we can work on uh, to try and stop. Uh, uh, and you know, uh, I, I'm. I know everybody on our team. We've talked about these things in the past. These these very two things, the temporary pathway and and this appendix K, where our own union is driving uh, the efficiencies and scoring our plant. Our own share share people, you know, are doing this. So, uh, and that's just you know, it's just something we shouldn't be competing with one another to the degree that we are. We it, it isn't just about low wages. It's about the education and the stability that unions and union workers bring to the workforce for these companies. Would mm-hmm. you agree? Yes, I would. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And right. when, too, we're also facing possible more plant closures in Canada, too. So the GM Oshawa plant, which was the former, uh, they had quite a few lines, and the GM trucks were produced there. That was one of the best plants in the industry, and that plant looks like it's going to be closing. I'm going to predict by 2020. Um, So obviously, they're going to need to promise GM product to keep these plants running. And probably the Ford engine plant in Windsor is on the chopping block too. Windsor's been promised products in the past, uh, as I said, we had six rounds of concessions in ten years, and uh, the product was the product never materialized. So we're we're twenty five percent of the production in North America, and now we're down to sixteen percent or less. So plant closures are going to be inevitable, I believe, in Canada, but. The, but we're going to be told to make more sacrifices um, and they're going to make us believe that we can save these plants and I don't believe that's possible. So when we're talking about bargaining for investment, what we really need to be as a union is you know, bringing up the issues that these companies they, you know, where's their moral responsibility to the taxpayers that give them billions of dollars to operate? And where's their economic responsibility in our communities, too, is an issue that we need to be educating our members about and the general public, too. So it's, uh, I, I, I think this is going to be um, a very quiet ratification for Canada, but we can't predict those second-tier workers. There's the plants are very, the shop floors are very divided, um, which is another big issue. So, in this leaflet that was just handed out last week by the National Union to all of the locals, GM, Ford, and uh, FCA, called Just the Facts, they actually had the audacity to. Uh, have a section here what is the meaning of solidarity and they literally took the meaning out of the dictionary that it's a feeling of unity between people who have the same interests and goals so (laughs) solidarity 
It's not about being equal on the shop floor to them. So they're telling us how to think and what solidarity is. And, of course, they'll say we must stand united and vote for more concessions to divide the shop floor even more. So it's going to be a very interesting um, round of contracts. Interesting, Lindsay. Uh, you know, and I, I, I want to uh, poise the next question a little. I'm going to give you a little bit of background, and then I'm going to poise the next question to you as if you were currently had been elected the last time when you ran for president of Unifor. Uh, but let me just say this first. Um, here in the United States, we as a team have been very, very critical of the Detroit Three. We have first-time quality that is uh, just horrible. It's around 80%, and first-time quality in a well-run plant is around 95, 96, maybe 97 for a really good operation. Uh, I've been in plants that were at that level where you have, you know, two or three product in the day that went, you know, to the repair hole, for example. And the other thing we're critical of is because of their poor management of the plant, they don't know how to run the, the business, is they don't uh, control their salvage, their scrap, the way they should. It's just, you know, tens of thousands of dollars leave the doors of some of these plants on a daily basis. And that... And the last one would be the recalls. And we've seen some horrific recalls, because, mostly because of uh, the, the parts that have been uh, outsourced to third, uh, uh, to, uh, third uh, company suppliers. And these wind up coming back uh, to us without the control that they really required. And then they shop the print, if you will, uh, in order to get the cheapest one, and they deviate from the original print. And that would not have happened if they had been doing that in-house. So with, re with regard to first-time quality salvage and recalls, we like to think that we could make the case uh, here in the United States with the corporations to say, that's money directly out of our pockets. We should not be working for less as long as you're not managing this company properly. We demand the monies that we're due and that we earn and we work hard for and the quality of workforce that we, we deliver to you, we, we demand those monies. Now, with that in mind, Lindsay, as president of Unifor, if you had been successful, how would you be approaching these negotiations in Canada? Well, for you bring up some excellent points about uh, waste and salvage and that too. Uh, in Canada, our issue is, I believe, is we need legislated protection to keep jobs in Canada. Now, we had the Auto Pact, um, which originated in the 50s, but we lost it at the turn of the century because of, uh, you know, these um, corporate organizations like the WTO that tell us that we can't have protection. Uh, that's our biggest issue. Once we lost the auto pact, it's, everything started going downwards for us um, because the union leadership just said, well, we don't have an auto pact anymore, so you don't have any protection. Now, 
they've come up with a, an auto policy that the union works with the government and the corporations. And it's this policy that they've come up with, it's at the expense of the Canadian taxpayer and other industries. And I'll give you some examples of what they're demanding. They're demanding a low Canadian dollar. So the dollar is 70 cents. Um, and then that's going to be very harmful to other industries. And, um, the, you know, a 15% cut share of um, the wealth in the companies, which is absurd. And they're comparing it to you know, what Volkswagen had after the Second World War, which is just an absurdity. That's never going to happen. And, but you can't get an auto policy passed unless you're going to fight for it, which I feel in 2012, all three automakers should have been out on strike at the same time and demanded legislative protection. Um, It didn't happen I don't believe they have any intention of ever striking. Um, so that's what we need. That's what we need to protect us in Canada. Is you know, even if we're only guaranteed 16% of the production from here on in. Um, as far as um, what you talked about is the amount of scrap that we produce. I don't know in the States, but in Canada, I think the companies were getting good money on their scrap. So I know a lot of the old equipment has been scrapped. And um, But I'd really like to know, is the quality... I, I think um, as we put more technology in the plant, but we're bringing in new technology and we're combining it with old technology and the technology doesn't it's not always effective so are we producing better products when we have ineffective technology when we have technology that doesn't cooperate and how much wasted is there and how much are we as workers losing um with ineffective technology that could be money coming to us yes ma'am right exactly but older technology that's you know, uh, you know, uh, uh, out of date and uh, obsolete. Uh, you know, with the money that they're making, they should be putting uh, the newer technologies in place so that we can be more efficient and uh, have a better quality product every time. Because the older, older machines oftentimes have a problem repeating as well as the new machines. So. Mm-hmm. Uh, point well taken, very well taken. So you're saying too, though, that the legislature plays a big role in in uh, the protection of jobs in Canada. And while it was promised, you really didn't get what you thought you might last uh, election yeah, time. We, and and we, I would I would I would add though too that you know here in the United States we haven't had a, a really you know a good strike uh, you know in uh, uh, company wide. Uh, for decades, we had one in '98 uh, that was 42 days at Flint Metal Fab, and they got the exact same thing that they had before they went out on strike. So we, there were no gains in that strike. But uh, we haven't had a strike, and the real gains were made when we made strikes. We didn't really get anything unless we had a strike, and that that sort of ended in the end, the end of the '70s, where we had effective uh, strikes. So. 
Would you agree with that? Uh, I hear uh, you say yes, that they went on strike. Yeah. I, Okay. Oh, yeah, Ford. Uh, Ford hasn't had a strike since the late 1950s in Canada. There was one uh-huh. week in 1990, but none of the workers can remember what that was even over. It's GM that had a lot of the strikes here in Canada, and I believe their last strike was 1993, and that lasted for about three months. So, um, I, just to make it clear, for this auto plan policy. So we lost our auto pack, so we have no protected legislation. And this plan they've come up with to replace the uh, auto pack is how do you achieve it if you're not prepared to go out and strike for it? Because we know the companies and the government, they don't hand us anything. They take away from us. And two, with this policy is the union is working hand-in-hand with the government and the companies. So that's the relationship that the workers are always going to lose because it's the union, again, putting itself in that situation that they're just begging for con- more concessions to stay in business or to get this, this policy um, passed through legislation. So it's never going to happen. And if it does, it's going to be very harmful to Canadians. Right, and and it, we're facing much of the same here in the United States, uh, you know. But it seems to be on focus more in Canada right now, and the legislature legislatures doesn't seem to be Parliament that is doesn't seem to be doing a lot of good or helpful being helpful uh, for the auto workers in Canada either. So. Um, uh, let me just uh, go sideways a second on you. I have a, a question from one of the callers and, uh, that uh, has written in, uh, somebody that's online. We have a, almost a full switchboard, by the way, folks. A lot of people listening to Lindsay, they're really, really interested in what you're having to say, Lindsay. Uh, so that you know, a little, little foundation before we uh, uh, throw that question at you. Um, we have some voter fraud alleged uh, at Local 600 at Ford here in the United States, near the, in the Detroit area. Uh, there's an appeal that is uh, at the Public Review Board now regarding this alleged uh, fraud in the voting uh, for the ratification. The Public Review Board, uh, over the last four decades, has told the UAW that their ratification process here in the United States does not contain uh, adequate controls uh, for the uh, ratification vote. While there's adequate controls uh, in the election of officers and constitutional convention delegates, it is not in uh, in place in the ratification uh, uh, vote, and they have been admonished no less than four times and they have not addressed that. In Canada, do you have uh, safeguards in place for the ratification vote where you have challengers, that you have an election committee that watches over it, and all of the things that you would think an election had uh, where you did not have an open election at the union hall and one in the plant as well where they could go and vote twice? And if caught, they just pull out one that's against you uh, and for them. 
so yeah, it's quite interesting around here sometimes. <laughs> so, tell me about your process, Lindsay. Tell us about. Well, they do. They do have a process, but I don't think um, there's a lot of faith in the process. Process. Now, when we hold our ratification vote, we're off-site. We have to um, – it's usually um, done in Hamilton, Ontario. We have to rent out an arena. and uh, But the vote – so we vote there uh, wherever the meeting is held. So, for example, if it's held at the arena, we vote at the arena, but the votes are transported back to the hall. So <laughs> it's – you know, <laughs> and nobody, there's no, there's not a lot of um, faith in the election process at all. Do they all. get the license number of the truck that just trans? <laughs> is it the same license number that left the plant that went or the voting spot that get back to the hall? Is the question. <laughs> so. That's- yeah. yeah, we've you know we've put a lot of motions forward to look into how do you change the system, and um, although for the founding convention when the CAW merged with CEP, which was Communications, Energy, and Paper back in 2013, they had an electronic vote and you saw the results right away, and you know what are the pros and cons to an electronic vote? Um, have to be discussed because those could be manipulated too and a lot of places that have had electronic votes whether that's government or for unions or whatever some of those have gone back to an open an open count too so uh, I don't think there is a lot of faith in the election process yes there's the union has mechanisms but how effective are they because you know, the leadership really is the hungry wolves and the rank and files are the little lambs that, you know, yeah. we're getting eaten alive here by our own leadership. So it's very interesting. And the ironic thing, and I'm sure it happens in every plant down in the U.S., when it comes to concessions, everyone says they voted no. So it's hard to find someone after the vote that says they voted yes to concessions. So... Not a lot of faith. Yeah, yeah, it's, yeah that's uh, yeah, it's sad that that's going on here and there, and perhaps uh, 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 we can do something about that. Uh, we aspire to re, re, uh, uh, replace the current leadership in the UAW, uh, and uh, we're working very hard to that end. It's two years away. For our elections here, I, I'm unclear if you're going to run again or if you're going to have a team, um, but we'd sure like to work with you, Lindsay, if you're capable and able and want to be the head of that uh, Unifor well, and the, in, if nothing more than the head of the UA, the uh, auto workers of, of Unifor. Well, I, I, you know, working together, I think, is necessary, and that's something we really have to encourage Canadian auto workers to do is to work with U.S. auto workers. Uh, so before our ratification, so our ratification is going to be about the third week in September, 2016, uh, the bargaining convention. Uh, to elect the national reps is going to probably be Labor Day weekend. 
And uh, unfortunately, with the way that system is, I'm not a delegate this time around, so I can't get to the convention, and uh, therefore I can't be nominated. Well, I, you know, actually, there's no clear rules on this, but only a delegate can nominate someone else. So unfortunately, I didn't make it through. Um, I can tell you my local leadership was not happy that I was nominated for national president, but my supporters were very happy because that's what they sent me to do a job and I did the job. It just wasn't being nominated that I used the opportunity to, to get to the microphone and bring up all the issues that I could and expose what was really going on. For example, many of our members didn't know about the supplemental workers who pay union dues and are not covered under the collective agreement. At the local level, we have our elections next spring, and I will absolutely be running again. I'm not sure which position this time, but um, in my particular local, about half the shop for it, and it may even be more by that time, are second-tier workers. So as someone that's against concessions, I you know, hope I could build up more support with the second tier and encourage them, tell them that this is their union now, and if they don't like the concessions, election time is the best time for them to run for office and out the first-tier leadership who imposed the concessions on them. So I um, And working together at any level is a must. Because we're yes. all the same, yes. whether there's, Absolutely. you know, we're all the same. Absolutely. Yes. I, uh, you know, our, ours is the same, uh, our convention. Uh, you do not have to be a delegate to be nominated, uh, but to get access to the floor, you either have to be a, a delegate or a fraternal delegate sent by your local union. So uh, that's, that's how that goes. The fraternal delegate does not have a vote, uh, but... Uh, has voice in my understanding of it. Mm-hmm. So, um, uh, having said that, uh, I understand. I've been getting a lot of little uh, uh, comments, uh, but I understand for some reason Blog Talk Radio is not being able to be received tonight in Canada. Now they could could call in if they had you know a free uh, U.S. phone that you could call still call the number and get in. I put that out. Uh, but it's not free for for folks. I don't know uh, what the problem is. Uh, I'll contact Blog Talk Radio and tell them uh, that there are folks that are interested in listening and why they can't listen uh, needs to be uh, corrected. I thought we had listeners all around the world. For some reason, they're not getting into the show tonight, but I want to remind everybody that if you didn't get in tonight, it is a podcast, and you can listen to it within about an hour after the show. It'll turn into a podcast, and you can listen and share it with anybody that you want. Follow it and listen to us from now on if you want. So I'm a little sorry about that, or a lot sorry about it. I just don't know what to do about it. It's not in our control. It's the the company that we use to you know to host this show. Uh, and okay. we pay pretty good money for that to go out. So we apologize, Lindsay, if your people couldn't hear it tonight. We hope they can hear it in the future. Well, you could, if you could keep us posted, that would be nice on that issue. Yes, I will. And if you give me the when you have the podcasters ready and uh, pass on the link, and then we can spread it that way and get the message right. out it's there. A, it, it's the same link. 
it, it'll be the same link. It, it just turns in from live to a podcast, and it's the exact same link. Okay. Okay, it's and great. I can, and I, I, think, I can send um, it to you as well. I think what would be a really good idea, too, is in the future, if we can plan for Canadian and UAW workers to meet face-to-face in Canada. I've traveled to Detroit in the past, and it's always been a successful experience, and I think that's something we need to plan for active workers here. Absolutely. You know, I, I get to Hamilton. Are you from Hamilton? I'm living currently living in Hamilton right now. Um, yeah. I'm just moving out of Hamilton because, you know, and here as I talked about gentrification and house crisis, I was in a situation <laughs> I had to sell my house last July and wow. six months later couldn't rebuy because the market was out of my control. So I'm living slightly out of town, but um, I've been all my life in Hamilton. Okay. So well, we'll uh, definitely have we'll, to meet up at some point. We'll meet we will communicate, and uh, I do get over there from time to time. So the next time I'm over, lunch is on me. How's that? Oh, that's great. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I know it's going to cost more money than here because I just know the price is over there, but it's fine. <laughs> pick a nice place. Don't pick some some little place that's, uh, you know, halfway. We want to, you know, we're going to make sure we have lunch or dinner. And I have some friends, so we'll bring them too. Uh, okay, we'll that's here. great. <laughs> yeah. Um and we'll uh, we'll we, go to some place local, a mum and pup place, and not one of the franchises. Yeah. Oh, sure, yeah, so. locally locally owned. Um, you know, I I don't want to be remiss. We have another co-host on the show, and I want to ask uh, Jeff if he has any uh, uh, questions for you before we wrap up your segment here. We we're a little long uh, tonight. But I hope everybody understands that that's the case. My phone's going off, and I, there, the other phone, it quit. Uh, everybody understands that we have very special guests here this evening, and we're going to be a little bit long, but that's okay. Uh, but Jeff is in the wings. Jeff, do you have anything to add or ask, uh, uh, Lindsay, before we start to wrap up? No, I think Lindsay pulled off a, a good report, um, as always. Lindsay and I met each other, I think, back in 2010 here in the Detroit area, Metro Airport. And it was on almost a caravan, soldiers of solidarity meeting. And Jerry Tucker was there. Yes. For a yes. Time. Like, mm-hmm. And um, Jerry Tucker was there. John Conyers, our Detroit congressman, attended. He gave a little speech. So Lindsay and I have been friends for a little while, and uh, I respect her. She's done a lot for her union, and I want to thank Lindsay for calling in and being part of our show and being part of our page. Um, Anything we can do, Lindsay, I'm always here to help out. Um, We'll stay in touch. We We will. Yes. I would speak for our team, Jeff. I think our team stands ready to help our Canadian brothers and sisters, and Lindsay in particular, anything that we can do to help. Just notify us, and we'll be happy to try and help. Thank you very much. You're welcome. And hopefully we can do another one of these talks maybe before the ratification vote, before or after it in Canada, I think would be a good idea. 
as you think is necessary, we'll be happy to have you on our show. We're going to go all summer long and on into the, uh, you know, we're not going to uh, break for summer and on into the, the fall during your uh, ratification and uh, contract ratification process there. So uh, and you, when you think you need to be on, you just let us know, Lindsay, and, and uh, we'll have you on. You can update us on the current uh, situation, conditions, and climate of the Canadian auto industry and workers there. So thank you for okay, very great. much. I'll, I'm going to put you just on uh, on hold just for a minute, uh, and okay. uh, then we'll uh, uh, we'll wrap this up. Uh, if you want to stay on afterwards, I'll just uh, touch base with you just a little bit if you want, or we can do that in another way. Sure. But yeah. uh, I'm going to just put you on. We'll wrap up. Okay. Uh, there we go. Jeff, uh, do you have anything yeah. to add to our show this evening? Uh, no, no, I don't. Um, our thoughts are with the uh, victims and family members of the Orlando shootings. Um, okay. Uh, also with Gordy Howe family, the Muhammad Ali family, and who passed away mm-hmm. over the last 10 days. But um, we stand in support of the victims of Orlando. I know that was one of our questions. Um, and that's it, Leroy. Right. That's right. all I got. Okay, I want to want to recognize another brother that's uh, uh, kind of been in the wings here. Uh, he's uh, uh, on the switchboard, and I recognize his number. I want to say hi to Scott Holdison. Uh, Scott, you're on with us right now. Do you have anything to add to the show this evening? Oh, good evening, guys. Yeah, I, I uh, uh, wanted to say hi to Lindsay. Uh, uh, I remember that that meeting that Jeff was talking about very well. Uh, I was I was also there uh, in 2010. Uh, that was uh, kind of when I I really got uh, rolling with uh, uh, union activism, and uh, that meeting was a big part of it. Uh, I wanted to give a shout out to Jeff and uh, tell him that uh, there's a whole bunch of uh, Local 551 members transferring up there and uh, going to be 3,000 members now. Uh, mm-hmm. I, every time uh, one of them asks me or talks talks to me about transferring to Flat Rock, I, I tell them, look up Spike when you get there. <laughs> I work the night shift, so night shift in the body shop on the docks. Okay. There you go. Anything else, Scott? I didn't. I mean, we had some excitement in our elections, uh, more excitement than we've ever had before. <laughs> um, you probably heard really about it. Yeah. yeah. Well, thank God, uh, it, thank God it wasn't like Orlando, Florida today, huh? Right. Yeah. Right. Thank, thank God uh, nobody, uh, nobody was killed. And uh, uh, I'm sure there will be, uh, you know, Repercussions uh, coming out of it eventually. So uh, that's not all I wanted to say about it right now. Yeah, I can I yeah. can appreciate that. Okay, well, thanks for uh, coming on the show and being a listener here this, this evening and uh, uh, participating a little bit. Uh, we're getting a little bit long here. We try to keep it around an hour, Scott. So if you don't mind, we'll start wrapping up. Uh, how's that? You got anything else? Unless you have anything else, I don't want to cut you short. 
Uh, one thing I wanted to ask Lindsay if she's still on here. Uh, when she ran for president uh, of Unifor, um, what was the process for the the election? Was it uh, the UAW does, or was it a secret ballot election? If she's still on here. Yeah, uh, we had, um, so we were also merging with another union, so Canadian Auto Workers Union, which was about 180,000 members, merged with CEP, Communications, Energy, and Paper, which were about 120 members, so we were merging to form a new union, Unifor, so we had an electronic vote, so the delegates were given... um, like that little gadget you're given when you pay at the register and it was an electronic vote so the results were immediate and we can see them posted on the big uh, billboard so as someone who came off the shop floor so I was nominated by a delegate uh, GM vice president um, local God, I can't think of the number and a longtime dissident Bruce Allen uh, nominated me, and I accepted the nomination. Then, as we were a new union, there wasn't any rules, so normally they don't allow any speeches. By the way, that was the first time in the CAW history that the national president had been challenged. There would never been an election in 70 years with that union for national president. And I ended up with 17.49% of the vote, which which is a big percentage coming out of nowhere off the shop floor. It, it certainly is. Yeah, congratulations. Thank you. We did, we've watched that. I've watched the video. Most of our team has watched the video of that election, and we mm-hmm. saw the electronic voting, so... It's we're, you're light years ahead of us. Uh, Scott can attest that they had the roll call vote, even for the increase of dues. And I think they got maybe a show of hands for that, or did they, Scott? They didn't get. There was still a roll call, didn't they? No, they. Uh, Bob King didn't see enough hands uh, requesting a roll call, uh, and yeah. uh, nobody challenged his counting, so it, it went yeah. by a show of hands. Okay. Yeah. Well, it's just sad. But, all right, folks, we're evening. about 10 minutes after. Go ahead. You got something else? No, no it's all right. Well, I'll, okay. I'll come on yeah. next time, and we'll talk some more. Okay. Yeah, thanks. Uh, Lindsay, you have anything else to add? And then we'll wrap up. Uh, I would just like to say I think it's remarkable the support that the U.S. auto workers give for those GM workers in Colombia that lost their jobs after being injured in the workplace. And uh, it's not an issue that's well known about in Canada. And we're all together. And it's not just happening in Colombia. It's happening everywhere for injured workers. Injured workers are losing their jobs here in all sectors. It's easy to terminate an injured worker. And I think it's remarkable work. And I commend the UAW workers for supporting those GM workers in Colombia. Thank you. We, we just had a very contentious General Motors board meeting here where uh, some uh, folk from other states came to uh, complain about that. So it was very interesting. Thank you, Lindsay. Thanks for coming on this evening. Uh, unless you have anything else, we'll, 
we'll start wrapping up because we're starting to get long okay. and we lose nope. people. Okay. All right. Yeah. Have a good night, and thank you so very much for coming on, and uh, we'll look forward to having you again sometime soon. All right. Bye-bye. Thank you very much. Uh, Scott, anything else? Uh, no, I'll, uh, I'll try and uh, get back with you guys next week, and we'll, we'll talk some more. All right. Talk to you soon. All right. Uh, Jeff, do you have anything last words to say? No, just everybody have a good, safe week out there. Uh, watch out for the kids. School is out for the summer. And uh, be safe. Okay. All right. Thanks, Jeff. Well, uh, I'd like you to everybody to remember that our email address is workingforaliven at workingforaliven.com. You can please follow us at blogtalkradio.com forward slash workingforaliven. And uh, this this show will turn into a podcast after this live segment, so you can listen at your leisure leisure anytime this week or in the future anyway anytime. Uh, if you found value in this show, please just tell one more person to listen to us, and uh, the show will continue to grow in this uh, movement that we're seeing unfold right before our eyes against the tyranny of companies and the buy-in of company unions to that tyranny we can try and end it as soon as we possibly can. I'd uh, like to have a few shout-outs here to our friends around the, the country, Brook Park in Ohio, Flat Rock, uh, Tonawana, New York, Lordstown, Flint, Pontiac, Detroit, Bedford, Lansing, Toledo, Chicago, Kansas City, St. Louis, Wentzville, Arlington, Chattanooga, Doraville, Georgia, Santa Cruz, California, and everybody else around this country and around the world, and especially Canada, for those who listened in. Good night, everybody, and stay safe all throughout this next week. Good night. Good night. Have a great week, folks.